1: Deborah Honeywell couldn't ignore the instant attraction she felt when she met a sexy stranger.
4: Scott was a very, very good looking man. And we connected right away.
1: But her strong and sturdy stud had a monstrous dark side.
5: There was something eerie about him. His eyes were soulless.
1: And Deborah would be plunged into a terrifying nightmare when she learned her dream man was a sadistic predator with a long trail of tears in his wake. He was a monster.
6: The worst of the worst. Please. Who knows how many victims are still out there?
4: What he did is just unspeakable.
1: When it comes to love and marriage, things aren't always as they seem. In the summer of 1988, 27 year old Deborah Honeywell was at a crossroads. After ending a relationship with the father of her infant daughter, the Orlando, Florida native
4: was ready for a change. I was very much in love with my daughter's father, but it just didn't work out. So I felt very depressed, very hurt, very, very insecure.
1: So when her brother in West Palm Beach offered to have her work at his fireworks business for a few weeks, Deborah jumped at the chance. I was in a
4: floral business, but during the summertime, it slows down dramatically. My brother said he needed help. And I thought it was good that I got away from my daughter's father for a little while.
1: But just a few days after arriving, Deborah couldn't help noticing one of her new co workers, Scott Erskine.
4: He was at my brother's house. He had come in. Scott was a very, very good looking man.
1: Scott. Nice to meet you.
4: When he smiled, he reminded me of the Tom Cruise look.
1: The 25-year-old seemed quite taken with Deborah too, as he laid on the charm.
4: There was a lot of flirting. Let's go get together. (laughs) He gave me all kinds of attention, and it took my mind off of my daughter's father.
1: When the summer ended, so did their brief one-month fling. Deborah let Scott down gently and prepared to head back home to reopen her floral business. But Scott wasn't about to give up so easily.
4: Scott followed me back to Orlando, and he pulled up right behind me. I felt like he was disrespecting me.
0: I told you, I can't do this.
4: But I thought it was more like puppy love. He got attached, and he didn't want to let go.
1: Scott left immediately, and Deborah didn't hear from him for weeks until she received an unexpected phone call. Hello?
4: I had gotten a call from a nurse at a hospital, and she claimed that he was walking down the street and had collapsed.
0: Oh, my! Is he all right?
4: Scott got on the phone. Are you okay? Well, no. And said he had a broken neck in the past and that he had a wire in his neck, and it rebroke. broke so I was like, you know, a person doesn't survive this.
1: With no one else to turn to, Scott pleaded with Deborah to let him stay with her as he recovered. I to she work. relented, but not before doing a little homework.
4: The hospital wouldn't release him unless somebody picked him up. I felt kind of sorry for him, basically. But I was concerned with my daughter in the house, so I went to the police department and did a background check on him, and he came up clean.
1: That September, Scott moved in with Deborah, and to her surprise, he was a welcome source of company.
4: They put a halo vest on him, and that was a little devastating to see, but he was helping me out in my business, Um, We were becoming closer, and he was just great with my daughter. Scott made me feel wanted, secure. I really started to fall in love with him.
5: Debbie seemed excited about Scott. Her happiness level instantly rose, and she seemed to be much more motivated to start going on with her life.
1: When the halo vest finally came off, Deborah was thrilled when Scott surprised her with a marriage proposal.
4: It was perfect. I felt so secure about my feelings for him, for his feelings for me. So I said yes.
1: Then, just two months later, Deborah had a surprise for Scott.
2: Um, I'm I'm pregnant. pregnant.
1: Really? I
4: didn't know if I was so ready for that. But he was thrilled.
6: Oh,
1: my God, that's awesome. You're happy? The couple decided to tie the knot quickly, and a few weeks later, Deborah was escorted down the aisle and into the arms of her beloved.
5: It was
4: absolutely gorgeous. Everything seemed picture perfect.
5: She was very, very happy, super excited. They looked like a very happy couple.
4: I thought everything was going good. You know, I was going to have that secure relationship that I've always wanted.
1: But before long, Deborah and others would find themselves forced into unimaginable darkness as Scott revealed the Ah! evil within.
5: I can't believe a man's capable of that.
4: I just thought, oh my god, I was scared to death.
5: and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST.
1: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you
0: Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N O O M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. In
1: the winter of 1989, Deborah Erskine and her new husband, Scott, were preparing for the birth of their first child. We went into
4: our typical everyday life, pretty much right away. Everything was going good.
1: But just a few weeks into their marriage, Deborah began noticing subtle changes in Scott's behavior.
4: I didn't like him smoking and he insisted on smoking in the house. And he definitely started drinking more. Scott,
2: please don't smoke in the house.
4: When I confronted him about it, he said, get off my back, I can do what I want.
3: This is my house, I make the rules.
1: While he'd once complimented Deborah, Scott was now quick to cut her down.
5: You got that.
0: What? I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant
5: not fat. Debbie told me those things, and I feared that Debbie was going to be let down again, hurt again, and be stuck with two children now.
1: Deborah couldn't understand what was happening to her husband. Then, less than a month later, Deborah came home after grocery shopping and immediately sensed that something was wrong.
4: I normally keep the curtains open, and I had noticed... The curtains were closed. It's too
3: dark in here. It's not too dark. I want them closed. Don't tell me what to do.
4: So I walked into the bedroom.
3: Come back here!
4: And Scott was right behind me and he pushed me on the bed. He wrapped his hands around my neck and I started trying to fight him off. He kept choking me, and the more I fought him, the more he pressed down on my neck.
1: I'll kill you! I'll kill all of you!
4: The look in his eyes was just a look that you never forget. And as I'm trying to get away from him, he kicked me in the stomach. When he kicked me, I knew there was something wrong with the baby.
1: With her own life and the life of their unborn child at stake, Deborah made a desperate attempt to get away.
4: My family lived in the same subdivision. I needed to get out of there and get to their house. I don't even know how I got away.
1: Deborah ran out of the house screaming, unaware that Scott was only moments behind her.
5: I really thought he's going to kill me she was gasping for air and said he's coming to kill us all
1: in the spring of 1989 deborah erskine was five months pregnant and running for her life from her husband scott
4: i was running as hard as i could to get away from him and I got to my family's house.
5: The front door flies open, and Debbie falls halfway in, and she's gasping for air. I ran over to pick her up, and she managed to get the words out. He's coming to kill us all. He's coming to kill us!
4: And Scott drove up right after I got there.
0: He's to kill me!
4: And then Vance went up the door.
5: All I knew is I just wanted to get my hands on him. I opened the door to the van, and I took the back of his head and I started smashing it. (laughs) By this time, six neighbors are on the sidewalk. Everybody's calling 911. I felt like I was defending my family for their lives.
1: Within minutes, police were on the scene. Fearing repercussions, Neither Scott nor Vance pressed charges against each other. Once Scott gave his statement, he took off. He tried to kill me! Leaving Deborah to take action. Best thing you can do at this point is get a restraining
6: order.
4: I wanted to press charges. I had told him what he did, but they were saying basically it was a he said, she said. Just don't have any witnesses. It's a crime. So it would be better if I got a restraining order and have him served because the restraining order would make him leave the house. But there were more immediate concerns. I knew something was seriously wrong with the baby.
1: Deborah's sister rushed her to the nearest hospital.
4: When I got to the hospital, they said, I dilated two centimeters. And they gave me three choices. Either be prepared for him to be mentally retarded, have an abortion... Or I can keep him and take a chance and hope for the best. I knew in my heart of hearts that I needed to take that chance.
1: Deborah was released from the hospital and immediately filed a restraining order against Scott. But when she returned home, Scott was waiting. What
4: are, what you, are you doing, doing here? here? You you, you, you have, have to leave. leave.
1: He decided to leave.
4: I was scared to death. I didn't know where he was going, and I didn't care where he was going.
1: Then on September 24th, Deborah finally went into labor and delivered a healthy baby boy, Brandon.
4: He had all his limbs, his feet, his hands, his toes. I was so happy.
1: Once back on her feet, Deborah promptly filed for divorce, and Scott didn't fight it.
4: The marriage was done. It was over. And I got Sol costier Brandon. But I always had that fear in the back of my mind, you know, with Scott showing up.
1: And for four years, Deborah didn't hear a word from or about Scott. Life was finally starting to feel normal again, when in the fall of 1993, she got an unexpected call from a detective in San Diego, California. Hello,
4: They told me that Scott was in jail. He was arrested for rape. I was in such disbelief.
1: Just a few days earlier in San Diego, Scott picked up a woman at a bus stop near his home.
2: Scott invited her up. He then held her captive for about four hours, uh, sadistically raping her. She was able to
6: talk to him into uh, letting her go Uh, and of course she went and she reported to the authorities.
1: By March 3rd, 1994, Scott Erskine was found guilty of 10 charges, including rape, and pled guilty to possession of a deadly weapon.
4: I knew he was a lot of things. He was capable, like I said, the look in that eye.
2: Scott Erskine was sentenced to 70 years in prison, and as all prisoners in California, was forced to give a sample of his blood for DNA purposes.
4: I was relieved that I didn't have to worry about him anymore. I felt safe at that point.
1: But little did Deborah know, this was just the tip of the iceberg. Scott was more evil than she could have ever imagined. The years passed, and by the summer of 2002, Deborah was happily raising her 15-year-old daughter and her son Brandon, now 12.
3: My childhood was amazing because I had everything I needed. There was no reason to ask about my father. And everything about my father was a secret.
1: But secrets have a way of coming out. And the whole horrible truth about Brandon's father was about to be exposed.
4: I got a phone call from a detective. Hello? Saying that they needed to come and talk to me right away about Scott. And I'm thinking, oh my God, Scott
3: escaped.
1: Scott Erskine?
3: As soon as I heard Scott Erskine, that caught my attention immediately. I knew my dad's name. So, of course, I agreed for him to come there.
0: I, to sure in
4: I sent the kids in the back room because I didn't want Brandon to be involved in that
3: conversation. I wanted to listen because I knew she was talking or referring to my father.
1: And when the detective arrived, Debra sat in stunned silence as he unleashed a story of undeniable horror.
6: There's evil inside of him. I just broke down in tears, just
4: immediately. I was like in shock. What he did was just unspeakable.
1: In the summer of 2002, Deborah Erskine sat in dismay as a detective from San Diego told her a horrific story about her ex-husband, Scott.
4: He started to explain why he was there. Hey boys, come on over here. They were investigating a cold case concerning two boys that were murdered in San Diego.
5: Scott Erskine my be March 29th,
6: 1993, We got a call to report to bodies of two young boys found. There was evidence that they were tortured. There was evidence of molestation,
2: and they were strangled. Forensics were able to find cigarette butts, which they were able to extract DNA from. But back in 93, DNA testing was much more complicated and you needed more of the sample. They didn't have a lot of sample, so they waited.
1: Several years later, with advances in DNA, investigators decided to retest the sample.
6: We got a hit with an individual by the name of Scott Erskine.
1: DNA from Scott's 1993 San Diego rape case matched the DNA left at the scene of the two murdered boys. And if that wasn't enough, authorities suspected Scott was responsible for another murder in West Palm Beach during the summer of 1989.
2: There was a woman whose body had been found. She was raped and murdered. They also found a cigarette butt at the scene. They were able to get a DNA sample from that and it matched Erskine's sample. When
4: the detective told me the dates that this person was murdered in West Palm Beach, I knew it happened right at the time that he choked me. I'll kill you! The first thought that went through my mind was that could have been me. It's so surreal. I didn't think it could really happen to me. Never in a million years would I think that I was married to
3: a serial killer.
1: And just when things seemed they couldn't get any worse, Deborah's son Brandon appeared from behind the corner.
3: I walked out into the living room and I told her, I was like, I heard everything. I just broke down in tears, just immediately.
4: This is what my father did, and what does that make me? I just started crying my eyes out and just hugging him.
1: As the San Diego prosecutor prepared his case against Scott, more details of his violent history came to light. In 1980, when Scott was just 17 years old, he attacked a 14-year-old boy.
2: Christine had done the job as a youth counselor when he saw this boy and attacked him, beat him severely, sexually molested him.
1: Unbelievably, Scott served only four years before he was released in 1984 just four years before moving to Florida and meeting Deborah.
4: I was in shock. All I can do is reflect back to when I did the background check and nothing came up. And I kept thinking, why did nothing come up?
1: When Deborah met Scott, his previous crime had been committed in California and was not reported to Florida authorities.
6: You have California and Florida. And back in those days, you know, there was not that connection.
1: In September 2003, Scott Erskine went to trial in San Diego for the murders of the two boys. He was found guilty and sentenced to death in June 2004. Two months later, Scott pled guilty to the murder of the woman in West Palm Beach and received a life sentence.
3: He's going to have to answer for what he's done. He's going to definitely have to answer to God on this one. What he did is just unspeakable. Somebody
4: like that doesn't deserve to be loving.
1: Today, Deborah remains grateful she escaped Scott's monstrous clutches.
4: I really believe my family saved us. Had my family not been there, I believe I would be dead, and my son would be dead.
1: With her daughter now on her own, Deborah continues to focus on Brandon.
4: It took a long time,
3: but Brandon's doing good. And he's left the daughter of his father. I literally stopped thinking of him. So that way it's not painful when he is dead. Because I don't want to know when he's dead. Just let it happen. This is a new journey for the two of us. And I'm very excited for that new journey to
4: start.